Brett Walker SC is one of Australia's leading constitutional law silks. When he speaks, the legal community often listens. But his latest comments have offended some within the profession. Last week, Mr Walker denounced lawyers who were picking holes in this referendum proposal for the voice to Parliament as purveyors of doomsday scenarios. Brett Walker SC, welcome to RM Breakfast. Good morning, Patricia. What do you mean by doomsday scenario? What are you concerned about? Well, I think it's a professional weakness of uh, us lawyers that uh, given our jobs, we tend to look for disaster and necessarily, of course, that's what uh, people are paying to find out how to address edges of risk. But edges of risk don't ever describe the whole picture. And it seems to me that This is a debate in which the possibility, mostly theoretical, uh, of certain outcomes that would be inconvenient for some, for some time, but only ever temporarily, have been blown out of all proportion as describing the whole picture. It's nothing like the whole picture. You also said those who complained about the voice's potential influence were being racist. Why can't people... No, I didn't. Well, you, well, that's what you were quoted oh, as me. saying. Okay, well, let's no, talk about the I, racist no, no. line. No, well, let's, let's talk about the sub-editor who got it wrong. Um, if you don't read the body of an article, uh, then you will be misled by headlines and descriptions by sub-editors. Uh, I have never said any such thing, never would say any such thing. The Constitution, as we all know, was rooted in racist distinction, White Australia was not some proposal for Scandinavian decoration or Mediterranean house colours, you know. Of course it was racist and we have overcome that by legislation from the beginning and then in 1967 we enlisted the thing that is called the race power in order to address our unpleasant past. We're on the same kind of track now and of course disagreement among everybody, lawyers or otherwise, about the right way to go about it in the Constitution or not, for example, what words in the Constitution, for example. Of course, no one is a racist for taking one particular position or another, pro-white or pro-black, if you must talk about race, Mm. which is the most unfortunate word ever to have been put in our Constitution, but there it is, we have to address it. But that idea of some people oppose the voice for different reasons, there's all sorts of reasons why people oppose it. Um, Exactly. And not, we can't assume that the people are opposing the voice on the basis of being a racist. Can we? Of course we can't. Um, Absolutely absurd. And and it seems to me that uh, this is nothing other than a spat um, raised by I think some lawyers, uh, over words that I've never uttered and that a sub-editor seems to have entirely misunderstood. I certainly have never said any such thing. On the other hand, I and many others have for for a long time said there are racist elements to be considered every time there is a law or practice that turns upon differences between groups which unfortunately in this country we still have to describe by that awful and inexact word, race. 
It's in the Constitution. We've got to address it. No use stepping aside it. And elements of an argument, concepts, notions, unpacked core ideas in arguments, of course they can be racist. And if I may say so, all of us are from time to time in danger of not detecting the real character of some step we're using in an argument. Okay, so the, the quote in, I think it was the Financial Reviews, my memory, is the notion that the voice is to be abominated uh, because it may have moral force. I'm sorry, I believe it to be racist because nobody has ever professed that there's a reason yeah. why they should not be lobbyists. Can you just That's expand right. what you were trying to say? Yes. Now, unfortunately, um, no reasonable journalist quote can capture the whole context. That's not a criticism. But unpacked, what I was saying was that their uh, legislative, executive and judicial powers that we can think of in the government, the so-called three arms as it's sometimes called, has been a most unhelpful figure of speech, the fourth arm, applied in this debate. Now that's a respectable and striking figure of speech when you talk about bodies like, say, the Auditor General to take one obvious example. They're neither legislative, administrative or judicial, but they're certainly a very important part of government. They might be called the, the check or monitor role of government. The voice is not proposed by anybody to have any role like that. It's not going to be making determinations uh, like an Auditor General might. It's not going to be making reports like an Auditor General might. So, of course, fourth arm is wrong. It turns out then that uh, that fourth arm notion as an objection to the voice, an abomination in its character, is because it would have, by being in the Constitution, uh, some institutional or moral force given to what it says. But unpacked, of course, that's saying that this voice for the First Nations is somehow worse than the voice that everybody else gets because it would be given moral force. Now, that's what I've identified as a notion which inescapably attaches to the First Nations identity of the character of the voice and says, well, we can't have it being given moral force by a constitutional amendment. That's what I identify as being a discrimination between Indigenous interests and other interests adversely to the indigenous interests and therefore racist. Brett Walker, we've only got a minute, but on the question of whether it should advise executive government, not just the parliament, do you think that's contentious? Because clearly there's different legal opinion on that. Well, as a fact, it's contentious, but again, this is... It is. <laughs> what do, do you think, though? Should it advise to the executive, briefly? Of course, of course it should. Of course it should. If it, if it, if it re makes representations to the House of Parliament, do we really think that without being scornful and disrespectful, the Houses of Parliament wouldn't pass on relevant matters to parts of the administration, the executive? Of course not. That's how we govern. So, yes, of course there should be able to be representations to the executive. And uh, what is done with them is, in my view, going to be a matter for the executive. Um, okay. And so... I don't see that this is a point of contention of any substance at all. Brett Walker, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Good morning. Brett Walker, SC, joining us there. You're listening to RM Breakfast.
find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.